we all have trials and we all have situations in life that feel like a tsunami, small and big. And we just, you can't get through any of them without the grace of God. Welcome back to another episode of Open Door Policy. We're so glad that you've joined us today. I'm your co-host, Emily Mentock, and I'm joined today by... Father Patrick Gagno. How you doing, Emily? I'm great, Father Patrick. How are you? Doing wonderful. So glad to be uh, able to do another episode of Open Door Policy. I've said it off the record, off the air, that these episodes are always such an uplifting experience. My heart is full after doing them. I just love hearing about what God is doing in the lives of our of our guests who are giving witness to the Lord. And I just find it to be tremendously inspiring. So just thrilled to be here. So what's going on in your life, Emily? Oh, well, you know, we're, it's funny to come up with these things. We're, we're actually recording back-to-back episodes day-to-day. So I was like, what's new awesome. in my life from yesterday, from our <laughs> conversation with Melissa? Um, but I actually had a really great experience today. So I'm, awesome. I'm a parishioner at St. Aloysius Parish mm-hmm. um, in downtown Detroit near my apartment. And um, Father Mario, who's the yeah. pastor there, and Beth Allison, who we've had on the podcast, who's the engagement yes. director, they are, you know, they're so focused on building community, especially for this, the downtown sort of crowd of people. Mm-hmm. Well, at St. Aloysius. It's a smaller parish, but then you're, they have this dream of building and I think are successfully wow. so far this close knit community. And so they reached out to my husband and I and said, Hey, we'd just love to get to know you more. Now wow. that the pandemic is getting to a, a safer place, people are getting vaccinated in the warmer weather. We can sit outside. And they asked us out for coffee just to oh. get to know us and talk about St. Al's and figure out ways that we might want to get involved and things like that. And that was just a joy because it was, yeah. you know, I think we all have that dream of our parishes being communities like that. And I yes. felt just blessed to that they, I'm at a parish where they're doing that very proactively. So that was my sort of highlight of the day was getting coffee yeah. with Beth and Father Mario. Oh, getting getting together with a couple other disciples and, and a priest from your parish and just sharing some some God's love made drinkable coffee and yes. and life and talking about how can we how can we share more of this with more people. I, I think it's so beautiful that the the attractiveness of of good, healthy, holy um, fellowship and friendships between brothers and sisters in Christ. What I have a friend who says joy is unstoppable and uh, the joy that is manifested through the love of good friendships among brothers and sisters in Christ is infectious. That's, that's an awesome story this morning. Yeah. Can I give you one quick? Oh, go ahead. Here here it comes. Okay. So I would love to give you one. And this is an update for those who uh, listen to the podcast, regular listeners. Thank you, by the way, for listening. We truly appreciate you listening and sharing open door policy. So Jordan and Napoli, who were guests a little while ago and had a powerful testimony of being newlyweds and discovering some fertility issues and God blessing them with uh, the gift of of a baby. Uh, Just a glorious uh, story of the recent birth of their beautiful little girl, Zellie Marie, who is named after uh, Zellie Martin. Napoli has a great devotion to Louis and Zellie Martin, the parents Mm -hmm. of St. Therese of Lisieux. So I, I saw her baptism recently and uh, just an amazing gift watching how God has blessed this couple, this newlywed couple and their faith in God. And it was through NFP that Napoli gave testimony that she discovered some, some difficulty. So God's fingerprints are all over the gift of this, this little girl's life and seeing them and the joy of this, this baby watching their, 
their their family grow and it was it was a really incredible experience so that's a highlight recently and uh that's happy great to share and yeah. leading up to we're recording right before mother's day too is your parish oh. doing anything for mother's day father patrick we will definitely have a special blessing of the mothers we usually at corpus christi catholic church have a nigerian tradition where the nigerian women they wear their festive nigerian church clothing and they have a special procession like they would in nigeria like lots of chanting and dancing uh in you know part of the gift of corpus christi is our, our cultural diversity we have people from i think over 16 different nations represented wow. and the yeah there's a beautiful uh there's a beautiful spirit of celebrating the the traditions of other cultures and their catholic faith in their country and that that's something we would do anything going on at saint Al's? um you know i'm not sure there's an event tonight for um a mary like sort of May crowning event mm. combined with a carpentry workshop for the year of St. Joseph. So kind of doing both mm. Mary and St. Joseph, but I don't know, there's on a, there's not too many mothers in our, I mean, compared to most parishes that would have like more families and stuff. There's wow. not that many families that live downtown. So I'm not sure what they're doing on Sunday. We'll have to see. I'm um, going home to visit my mom actually for, for Mother's Day and her birthday. So we'll all be home oh. this weekend. But anyways, we are super excited oh about gosh. today's guest. Um, yes, we are. Uh, which is really just, I've been blown away by his, the way he's living his life so boldly for Christ as a, as a person um, in business, as a family person. And I think Father Patrick, you know him from um, different parish connections, but I'm going to, I mm -hmm. can go ahead and give, as we always introduce our guests, yeah. uh, the three fun facts that we definitely, these <laughs> ones are, they're very beautifully written. I feel like we need to get into what, what is the meaning of these fun facts yeah, to share. <laughs> um, so for our guest today, um, he says that his favorite place to visit is normally where he is. And so Father Patrick and I were discussing before we came on air, does that, is that just anywhere in the world, wherever you are, or is it, uh, just being very mindful in the moment? So we'll have to dig into that a little bit. Um, also enjoys a wide set of experiences, which is super cool. I, I'm an experienced person, so I definitely mm. relate to that. And then the last one is that a step ladder fulfills his need for an adrenaline <laughs> rush. So definitely keeping it close to home and the adrenaline rush seeking. And so so without further ado, I'm super excited to welcome our guest, John Hale, to Open Door Policy. Welcome, Hooray! John. Welcome, uh, John. Thank you so much, Father Emily. What a pleasure. And I'm very humbled and grateful to join you today. We're thrilled to have you. And John, please, out of the gate, I, I've had the blessing of meeting your family, but I'd love mm. if you could share uh, share with the, the listeners about you know your family. We have been uh, tremendously blessed, Father. Uh, my wife, Kristen, and I have five children, uh, two boys in college, and we have uh, two daughters in high school at Father Gabriel Richard here in Ann Arbor. And uh, our daughter, Elizabeth, is graduating. And then our youngest son is uh, a freshman at University of Detroit Jesuit High School. So we have uh, John Jr., David, Anna, uh, excuse me, Elizabeth, Anna, and Andrew. Awesome. And hey, we're going to get into some Encounter Grow Witness questions, but also please tell us about corporate travel. I think many people might know your name, but we'd love to hear about that beautiful ministry. It's been a great gift, Father, for uh, 20 years. My brother-in-law, David, and I have uh, been had the privilege wow. to uh, work here and purchase the business from my father-in-law, Joe DeFranco, mm -hmm. who started this company in 1965. Awesome. And uh, we have uh, several divisions. Um, basically, our mission is to enhance lives 
through travel and event experiences that build culture. So that's kind of our limiting factor is that, you know, we're not just doing experiences for the sake of experiences, but uh, really to help form people in uh, can form and form people to the heart of Christ. And we, we find that for us, the best ways that we're able to do that are, are through experiences of music, faith, uh, education, family, awesome. and then just kind of a, a basket wow. that we call culture, which is, you know, food, art, um, mm-hmm. wine, bourbon, <laughs> 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 whatever works. Beautiful. Yeah. That's great. So, it's been a great blessing and a great privilege to uh, serve, you know, so many amazing uh, people and uh, to have such an, a terrific team. I mean, God has just, uh, it's, it's been a theme for us of just putting amazing people in our lives who just allow us to grow and love him more through their witness and through their love. Awesome. That's so awesome. Okay. So we have to, I want to under better understand when you say your favorite place in the world of all these experiences that you've had, and you're trying to create for others, the places you've traveled. Um, when you say your favorite place is where you are, what does that mean to you? You know, I often am asked that question is, Oh, you know, all the places you've been or that you go to, <laughs> what's your favorite. And, the, and, and, you know, I I'm on the spot and I, and I think, gosh, it's so hard for me because what I think about when anyone asks me that question is the beauty of that place. I think of the people I've met there. I think of the sacred places I've been to the masses I've attended, um, the, uh, food of that place, the beauty, whether it's mountains or sea mm-hmm. or, you know, castles in Ireland or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, 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 wine region in France. And, and what I really concluded is, gosh, wherever I am, um, God has really given me the gift to just enjoy that place at that moment. And um, so my answer, it sounds a bit glib, I know, but uh, that's why I I thought it might be a a fun fact, because it's a question I'm often asked is, is it truly, there are so many amazing places. I mean, every, there's not a corner of this earth that God has not blessed with amazing people, with amazing places where he hasn't encountered each of us Mm. in some way. And when you travel the world and you see his fingerprints, um, how can you not love that place that you're in? Right. And whether that's- I know, right please now. get this pandemic end so we can Let's travel go. again. <laughs> Load it up, Ron. Let's I'll be go. over in 10. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's John, it's so you know great to hear you speak about you know the encounter that you see all over the world, the way God encounters people in different ways through different experiences. Um, but here in this podcast, we and our listeners, we want to know about your own encounter with Jesus. Um, so maybe you can talk us through it, whether like was how your life began as a Catholic, or if there was a moment where in which you encountered Jesus, but how did you come to be um, what we describe here in the Unleash the Gospel movement, a joyful missionary disciple? Oh, thanks, Emily. You know, God has just blessed me. And I think if I had a theme of my life, it's that it's the people that he's placed in my life from birth. And Mm. uh, he must have known how much I needed them because it's the people who witnessed for me from my birth, you know, starting with my parents, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, my brother, uh, from the very beginning, it's just like I've been given this gift of people uh, who love and reflect the love of Christ uh, at every step of the way. And, uh, you know, through godparents, through friends, through high school, and then on to college, you know, I went to the University of Michigan, kind of an unlikely place to encounter um, you know, people of faith, and yet God put them there and then on to law school. Um, Just an amazing uh, set of friends who uh, continued to grow through their witness. And and then, uh, you know, through practicing law for a number of years, um, 
and then of course through this business. So it it really has just been this. Um, maybe from one view might be boring, but uh, from oh, another way, it's awesome. just been this very blessed journey of slowly um, encountering him uh, mm. through people, through experiences, uh, through trials, you know, through some suffering as we all, every life has, and through through tremendous joys. I mean, when I look back and I reflect on, you know, especially my early life, I, mm -hmm. I grew up in a small community, Port Huron, uh, which is on the water, and I, I call it yeah. the other other holy land. It's, it's my favorite place. <laughs> I love my people. I love my family, Amen. and I love the water. And um, I, I just think of that time as fun. My family was a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughter in the house. And I think that, especially in our world today, we're missing that. We lack that. Mm. We can't, you know, there's not enough self-deprecating humor. There's instead a lot of self-aggrandizement, you know, where through social media, we're trying to put our best foot mm. forward all the time and we can't even make fun of ourselves or lovingly tease others. And mm -hmm. I think that's sad because that's very much how my life was, particularly when I was young, was just that ability to laugh and have a lot of joy. And that's the beginning of becoming a joyful witness, right? Is to actually have joy and laughter. Mm. Right. I think the joyful part is so interesting because I've heard of, you know, intentional discipleship and things like that. But something that I've found, you know, kind of being an outsider coming into Detroit that is really unique and specific. And something I love about being here is that being a joyful missionary disciple is an important part of it. It doesn't mean you're happy all the time. Like you said, there is always those trials and sufferings that you go through, but that to see, and, and this is clearly in the letter that joy is an important part of unleashing the gospel, like joy in your life, living joyfully, responding to others joy, uh, I think is just a really unique part of that. But okay, Father Patrick, you go. I'm, I'm talking too much now. John, is, no, it's wonderful. Um, John, is there something from, from your early days in Port Huron that you can remember? I love the description of your family. And is there something you can remember from your faith at a young age? Maybe it was altar serving. Maybe it was uh, Easter Sundays together. Uh, is there something from your faith as a, as a young man, as a boy, and maybe a teenager that just you knew, and I love these testimonies of people that are raised up in a family where from the youngest age, they're really seeking to sow, uh, sow the gift of faith into your heart and your mind. And then the child, by the grace of God, is able to receive it, which is wonderful and a great, I think, ideal. Uh, is there something from your, your childhood in, in your teenage years, maybe back in Port Huron that you can think, yeah, it was there, like that I could tell, like I knew I needed to follow Jesus, just curious. I respect the organic growth you've described as well. Well, thanks, Father. I, I think, you know, one of the earlier memories of maybe becoming what we would call, or I would call maybe more devout, and in grade school, actually, um, a uh, my godparents' children babysat us, and they were a wonderful family, and uh, they showed me how to use, pray the rosary. Mm. And this is in grade school. And, you know, at that time I was in public school, but even through catechism really wasn't all that. Um, uh, it, it wasn't what we have even today in terms of resources. So they showed me how to pray the rosary and, and it was just something I was immediately um, drawn to and prayed with some regularity, even in, you know, say third, fourth, fifth grade. Awesome. And then through my life. So I, I can remember vividly. Uh, you know, kind of even alone praying the rosary mm -hmm. and God putting that person in my life at that moment to introduce it to me, it um, having some 
spark or some resonated on some level with me such that I wanted to pray it and and meditate and on their mysteries and I had a little book you know with a little meditation for each at that time I'm so old father we only had three (laughs) sets of mysteries so now we have four (laughs) but ancient uh, uh, it's right well but you, you, you know you really more deeply understood those mysteries and then yeah, I, I'd say that's sort of like a seed that then when you, you know, you're in mass every week or you hear something, mm. you always tie your experiences together and yes. slowly they're knit together and mm-hmm. God does it. And I think his own time where connections are made and then you understand, uh, you know, the old Testament, the new Testament and um, how, you know, one foreshadows and, and one is the fulfillment of, and then, you know, everything becomes more meaningful and more deeply. And, and, and so that is a very long answer, but no, it's beautiful. At that young age that I think sort of where some of those seeds were set, certainly going to mass every, every weekend. And then you, you just build on it and your God builds on it. Beautiful. John, you know, there's a beautiful scripture that you remind me of as, as I listen to your testimony. It's in second Timothy chapter three, verse 14, but you Paul writing to Timothy, but you remain faithful to what you have learned and believed because you know from who, whom you learned it. And that from infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures, which are capable of giving you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And I, I loved the time I got to meet your whole family and, and your story from Port Huron and this gift of, yes, it's been there. It's been growing throughout the years, this faith. And I saw it in your children and your beautiful marriage and like your children, like they have been following the way of Jesus. From what I could see there, it was beautiful, John. And I wanted to ask you two questions. One was, could you share about your encounter with Jesus when you met Kristen and, and Jesus revealed to you that this is the bride I brought you. She's an amazing woman of God. I really uh, just honor your marriage and your family. And the second is about the growth you've experienced as a disciple when you entered into that vocation. Mm. Well, I've never really shared this story publicly. I'll try to make oh, it sweet. Quick. But uh, I was uh, entering my final year of law school mm. and a friend uh, told me about Kristen and wanted to sort of matchmake. And I was going to study law overseas in London. And it happened that Kristen was living there for that summer as a teacher. Anyway, we didn't get to meet but it was this sort of buildup that you have to meet Kristen DeFranco. You have to meet Kristen DeFranco. And it took um, 10 months to meet her. And by the time I met her, I was graduated from law school and studying for the bar. And I had a very uh, set rhythm to, to be able to, you know, you had to be disciplined when you're those two months, you could just kind of let the day go by. Mm-hmm. So I get up early every morning, I would uh, pray a rosary, I would go for a run, I'd go to my bar review class and mm-hmm. then study in the afternoon but every night I would mm-hmm. go you know get on my knees and, and pray and I had a, a book that it was life's little instruction book and again you probably don't even know what these are but it was a father writing to a son these pithy kind of statements every day wow. and I had it in the form of a calendar someone gave me a calendar so for the for that day I would rip off and see what the next sort of piece of advice to this father it was secular but this father writing to his son would be and I just mm. you know it was just part of this you know, OCD routine that I was into during that period. And so now keep in mind for 10 months, I've been hearing about Kristen DeFranco. Mm. So in the middle of this week, about June, this is 1994, um, 
my friend called and said, well, you're not going to believe it. Um, Kristen DeFranco is going to be with a group of us in Royal Oak, which is where I was living. And we'd like you to join us this Friday. Oh, be great. All right. I'll see you this Friday. So I uh, go to bed that night and I rip off the, for the next day, the advice wow. and the advice from the father to the son was remember to go on blind dates. That's how I met your mom. Oh my God. Wow. What? <laughs> so I have to say, I went you know, thinking, wow. And I brought that with me and I knew immediately, um, to be honest. And that was, wow. you know, we've been married 25 years this year and, uh, Kristen and her family are really, um, again, just a significant part of that journey. I mean, her parents are another set of parents for me, her, uh, what, what Kristen has brought to my life. I, I was just telling her this week that, um, you know, you were afraid because uh, when we first met that it might be just infatuation, mm. you know, and because, uh, you know, I, I had this sort of mindset that I didn't even share with her. Obviously, that night mm. I would have scared her off. But <laughs> um, but I kind of knew. And uh, I said, you know, I was telling the kids that I get as excited to see mom today as I did, you know, 25 wow. years ago. So goals, that's goals. that's such a great gift. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You said I knew immediately you pulled that paper. And you went on that date. And would you say that night you just saw, experienced in your heart? Like I did. Holy smokes. Yeah, I definitely did. That's amazing. Now, now it took a lot of trickery to convince Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, I have to tell you one line, share one line with the listeners too from Unleash the Gospel about families. It's so good that you and Kristen just shine. The sacrament of matrimony and through their love for one another, a husband and wife make visible the love between Christ and his church. Your marriage shows the world, the marriage of Jesus, the marriage of heaven. It's beautiful. And uh love to hear, sorry, I'm going to stop talking so much, Emily. I no, promise. go, go. But love to hear a little bit about like your experience of growing as a disciple, like, whoa, marriage probably brought you right into that. And, uh, and what it's like to be a father, brother. It did. I mean, again, uh, we were married maybe about a year and then uh, we were expecting our firstborn son, John. And, uh, you know, he's graduating from college this year and he's been, and each of the kids have just been mm. such gifts. And, you know, I'll, I guess I would sort of fast forward to this past year, which has probably been the most difficult year of my life with the mm. pandemic. Um, you know, I sort of quipped that what could be more fun than owning a travel agency in a pandemic. Yeah. But, you know, the, 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 the truth is it has been enormously painful very trying. And, uh, a, a, you know, a number of Herculean crosses that seemed overwhelming at first. And I, you know, for certain without God's grace, you know, I wouldn't be on this podcast today. And one of the ways in which he's manifest that grace has been through my wife and my kids. And my kids have been such a bright light through all of this. They have been, in fact, I give all the credit to Kristen and the kids. They have been the joyful missionary disciples that have just picked me up and said, you know, keep going and you've got this. And I have a note right here from mm. John, you know, you're killing it boss. Uh, and, uh, you know, he snuck in one night and wrote it and, and the kids will hide notes here in my office during these, you know, trials of this last year. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, you now have your kids witnessing to you mm. as a father is wow. kind of like the best gift you could have, you know, ever. And Amazing. so I give thanks to God for that because he has, um, bless me with uh, kids and a wife and, and parents and, you know, my, and Kristen's parents and, and, and you know, the whole team here who's just been so, um, so amazing. So 
um, you know, I, I guess I didn't mean to fast forward so far, Father, but I think it kind of gives a sense that, um, yeah, we all have trials and we all have, uh, you know, what situations in life that feel like a tsunami, small and big. And I, we just, you can't get through any of them without the grace of God. You know? Right. How, what were some of the ways through those challenges, you know, either as a family or in your own prayer life, like, what did you turn to? Did you go back to the rosary that you'd been praying since you were as a, since you were a kid? Like, what were some of those practices that in that you kind of, especially in hearing you talk about your experience of studying for the bar, returning to those disciplines to push through hard things. What, what were some of the things that you did to be open to those graces? I think over the past year through those trials, I think uh, it happened that I was in the middle of Exodus 90 when the pandemic mm -hmm. uh, began. And so I had a really strong group of men who I met with uh, weekly and who still are, you know, again, they're part of this prayer team that I just feel has gotten me through. Mm. Uh, of course, the boys came home from college. So suddenly it was the seven of us all locked down together. And that was a great gift. And wow. my wife had the idea that, well, as long as we're home and we're all here together, uh, every day we would somewhere between like five and six, um, we would we would stop and we, there were seven days in the week, there were seven of us, we would each share something, uh, a faith you know, and we'd have tea or coffee. And, you know, sometimes the girls would maybe make uh, something to bake good or something. Everyone was baking in the, during the right. lockdown, right? And we, we were certainly among those that benefited from that. And we just would share, you know, John would talk about, uh, um, you know, uh, the Dante's Inferno that he was mm. writing a report on in college. And the next day, someone had heard a, you know, a Bishop Barron podcast that they would share that and why it meant something to them. And, somebody else we'd hear, uh, you know, a, a piece of art. And anyway, every day this became, uh, Emily, just as you said, kind of this discipline, something to look forward to at the end of the day. And then uh, because I was in this Exodus 90 program, which it's sort of a, an ascetic program uh, for men, and I know you know, Father, mm -hmm. and, it, and it included in it is a set morning prayer of you commit to at least 20 minutes to an hour of meditative prayer. And that's one thing that the pandemic has really taught me is that I'm very much a do kind of person rather mm. than, um, and, and I've really learned the importance and experience, I would say. I've always known the importance of meditative prayer. It's just been a hard for me to actually do it, you know, consistently every morning. And I think it's the sine qua non of, uh, of a life in faith is to have that meditative quiet time in prayer every day it's just you can't really go to the next step i don't think without it so so again another blessing Beautiful. of this COVID has been the, the understanding in a new way of that that need to really have that quiet time with christ every day mm -hmm. and um so those were you know a couple of the disciplines that got got us through and it sounds like in, in wow. that pandemic experience, you really got to have both that quiet time through the Exodus 90 program, but also the, the communal mm. time with your family and the pandemic through all its challenges. I think for a lot of people probably did create space where you, you there was space for it that maybe wasn't there when we were all very busy before, but also you still had to choose it intentionally in that moment. You still had to choose to do that every day. And I think that people have gone through the roller coaster of the pandemic and trying to navigate what to do with this time, how to 
see the blessing or the opportunity in it just amidst all like the very real suffering that's going around. So thanks for sharing just your personal experience with it. I think that's a lot, but there's a lot of people who can hear that and listen and think about how that might apply to their own lives as well, whether it's more the communal side or taking time for um, quiet meditation too. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's, you know, we, we've all been through an awful lot and some much more than us. And, um, you know, we just have to unite and believe that uh, God is uh, doing good through a difficult situation. John, what you said about uh, meditation, taking the time to be silent with the Lord, gives us a, just a great opportunity to very briefly mention from the Catechism, uh, 1776, that paragraph number, um, his conscience is man's most secret core in his sanctuary. There he is alone with God whose voice echoes in the depths. It's what Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep know me and they hear my voice. And it sounds like your discipline in prayer finding that this investment of time to be silent and listen and be still with the Lord makes all the difference to hear the voice, which is never separate from the presence. Is that accurate? It really is, Father. It's funny because I've even um, recently given talks that in that quiet moment, you know, you may or may not have even consolation. It may be a, a bit of a trial to get through it for a lot of us, if, if we're honest with ourselves. But it's not only worth it, it's imperative because I believe that in those moments, and even especially if it's hard, that our, our hearts are made a little more supple through that little sacrifice of giving that time to God so that we do hear God, maybe even if it's not in that moment, it might be speaking through a family or a friend mm -hmm. member the next day, the next week, the next year. It might be that we see a circumstance a little bit differently than we would have if we didn't give this daily kind of first fruit to God. And mm. so I think of it as setting up the condition to hear God, because sometimes we put too much yeah. pressure on ourselves and we think, okay, I'm going to take this quiet time. And then every day I'm going to, you know, God's just going to tell me what the next three steps are. And, you know, God <laughs> doesn't interact with us quite that way. Sometimes maybe you, you do have a peace or a consolation or, or an epiphany in that moment, certainly, but take the I think when we take the pressure off and we see that, you no, know, God uses that moment on a consistent basis so that when he does speak, we are open to it. That's so true. That's also, silent. I just want to pause and acknowledge Father Patrick that you just quoted like the catechism by number. I'm so impressed by that. I, I, I pulled of it up over. I mean, I do know that one, but awesome. <laughs> no, I, I had it in front of me. Um, but John, I, it's, <laughs> I think you're exactly right about those, those moments and being open and, um, I guess I'm wondering, like, what are what are some of those little uh, the the grace that God's giving to you in those moments recently? Has there been something put on your heart, maybe if, in front of this podcast, or what what are those little revelations or things that you've talked about that maybe if you if you would want to share one with us, we'd love to hear about it. Sure, I um, contributed to a book uh, last summer, Teresa Tamio, my, my dear friend, called "Listening for God," and so mm -hmm. I'll share um, something that relates to work and and sort of the contemporary pandemic. And, you know, when everything was going so sideways in, you know, the early days of, of uh, 
the pandemic, March, April, May, even into June, you really start to question, I mean, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I mean, you kind of get so beaten down. And some of it is just the, the reality of what's happening. And then some of it is, but I can't do what I feel like God had called me to do 20 years ago. And there's a frustration and a, a, a worry, anxiety, a hurt. Uh, there's everything. There's all these emotions. So um, I was at a, a mass uh, on a Sunday in June, and um, I, I was really praying, you know, God, what is my mission? And I just kept saying my, my mission during the Eucharistic prayer. Um, you know, are you, are you asking me to maybe go back and practice law? Are you, look, is this, a, is this a, a launching point to maybe do something else? Open my heart and mind to other things, if that's what you're calling me to, or help me to feel more affirmed in where I am and that mm. we're just supposed to muddle through this difficult time. And this is the truth. Um, uh, as I'm praying, um, the second I thought the word mission, what's my mission, the uh, Monsignor said, your pilgrim. And the word pilgrim and the word mission coincided, the spoken word and the thought mission. Uh -huh. And um, it was, I just, it was like this overwhelming, like I just felt this warmth and this uh, overwhelming consolation that in fact, my mission was to continue awesome. with pilgrims and serving wow. pilgrims. And so I guess that's a, a recent really, um, and, and again, whenever you have a bad day and you think, ah, I don't know, um, I, I go back to that moment and I say, no, you know, God, gave me that minute. And that was, I, I believe, a clear sense of direction. And he wants me to be anchored in him and in his consolation in, in that moment. Beautiful, John. And, uh, you know, I've, I know you well enough to know you desire God's will in your life for you and your marriage and family. I wanted to ask you, what are, what are your dreams these days? What are oh. you dreaming with? Like, Lord, I'd love to see this happen. Gosh, you know, that's great, Father. A great, great question. I think I've been so short-sighted in just trying to get through the day-to-day. -day. I, I guess what I would dream is to be able to meaningfully provide the experiences mm. that enrich people's lives uh, to the magnitude and in the way that we have uh, in the past. And to really mm. give our team that sense of fulfillment um, at the same time that we are able to, you know, grow the, the faith and the love in the hearts of those we serve. So I guess if I could dream, it would be that uh, God shows us the way through the present reality and through the future reality of the world of how we are to provide those life-changing experiences mm -hmm. to those he puts in our path. Mm. John, you are one of those, brother. Seriously, when people, I just want to honor you. When people bump in you, wait, you represent Jesus so well that yet I live no longer I, Christ is living in me. Mm -hmm. You're a humble man. I, I imagine you probably want to swap my compliment, but uh, I don't want to pitch it to Emily before you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no room Thank for response father. there. <laughs> Thank you, John. Um, I, I think that's, that's super beautiful. And, you know, in hearing you share that story of we're kind of rediscovering that mission recently through the, the challenges and then that your dreams are to really put that mission into action. Um, it's just so beautiful. What a, what a great witness. And we're very grateful to you, John, for sharing so openly oh. and witnessing mm -hmm. to the people, to, to me and father Patrick here, I'm walking away yeah. inspired <laughs> mm, uh, in this moment, but definitely also for all of our listeners, we're so grateful to you. Um, and we, we would actually also love to, uh, end in prayer for, to build on that mission for your dream 
time um, for the dreams of people listening to this podcast. And also that hopefully we can all have those experiences uh, that you've shared so much about and that your, your personal mission is to give to people uh, again soon after the pandemic. So Father Patrick, would you like to start with prayer? Oh, I'd love it. And then I'll, I'll loop it over to John and maybe Emily will bring it home. Sounds, good. Name, sounds like a plan. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, I praise and I thank you for uh, Kristen's parents and for John's parents and the faith that they gave John and Kristen that they have received and have run with. I thank you for this marriage that shows the world uh, the marriage of heaven. I thank you for their, their children and uh, I ask that you bless their children's vocations and that John's mission to bring these pilgrims incredible Holy Spirit filled experiences uh, would just be tremendously blessed far beyond all he could ask or imagine. I thank you for his witness, Lord, and I pitch it to you, John. Father, we give you thanks for this time together. We give you thanks for the witness of Father Patrick, of Emily. We pray for each and every priest, uh, our archbishop, and all religious, and all those who serve in the Archdiocese of Detroit. May they be consoled by the love of all the faithful, and may our hearts together unleash the gospel, that our hearts may be conformed to Christ, and that we will find hope and joy even in the midst of trials and in the midst of the acrimony that is the world that we may seek the true source of joy and hope, which is in Christ our Lord. Lord, we give you, we give you thanks for the gift of that joy that we've experienced here recording the podcast and to go back into our lives to witness um, to the ways that you've changed us as joyful missionary disciples and to unleash the gospel. I give you thanks for John and for his testimony, yeah. for his family, um, and through all the many people he has touched through his work and um, give you thanks for the graces that have carried us through the difficulties of the past year and for the people in our lives that have carried us through and who have been your, the face of your love to us through all the difficulties. We pray for the people who are still experiencing the different sufferings now um, as we continue to navigate the particular challenges of this pandemic. And we look forward to when we may get to, to have those joyful uh, experiences as pilgrims uh, again in our lives and around the world. And we offer all of this up to you through the intercession of St. Joseph in this year of mm -hmm. St. Joseph and through Mary, our Blessed Mother, in this month of May. And we ask this as we ask all things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 I just got to put a blessing. Lord, bless everybody in the name of the Father <laughs> and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to another episode of Open Door Policy, where we hear stories of different joyful missionary disciples in Southeast Michigan and how they encounter, grow, and witness in their love for Christ. You can find more episodes at unleashthegospel.org forward slash podcast or on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.